0: Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Resurrection City Church, and happy Easter. It's fun to actually be able to hear people back. (laughs) Um, My name is Julie. I'm one of the pastors here at Resurrection City Church, and I just want to give a special welcome to any of you who are visiting with us or just checking us out, whether you're here in person or you're online. Uh, We are so glad that you're here with us this Sunday. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we will get into it. Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning full of hope and full of praise because we get to celebrate today that you sacrificially gave of yourself on the cross and then you victoriously rose again, defeating sin and death. So Lord, I pray that you would be with us this morning, that you would meet each one of us and show us more of who you are and more of how you are working in our lives. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, so two of my favorite hobbies are gardening and baking. Anybody else? I know they're pretty, like, common hobbies, so I I would think other people can relate to this. And in both of them, there's this interesting thing where you prepare something or you spend time figuring something out, getting it ready, and then you just have to wait and you kind of just hope that something happens, right? With gardening, you put seeds into the ground, you shove them down under this dark soil, and maybe you water them, or maybe you fertilize them, whatever you do, and then you just wait and hope that something is going to grow. And similarly with baking, you mix all these things together that, you know, on their own are not anything special, and then you put them into this super hot oven, and again, you just wait and hope that something good is gonna come out of the oven when it's all done. And there's something about that time of waiting that has really resonated with me lately. And I think that there's uh, something about it that we can all kind of relate to. This last year has undoubtedly been difficult, right? We've all said this a million times, uh, and it's probably an understatement. And even if you've had a pretty good year, It's still not been fun to wake up every morning and to hear of the more deaths that have happened because of COVID, or to wake up every morning and to uh, be physically separated from people we love and people we want to spend time with. At times, this year has been long and dark. You may have felt, I know I have, like a seed that's been pushed into some dark soil, and you're just not sure what's going to happen next. Or maybe you felt like a cake batter that's been pushed into a fiery furnace and you're not really sure if you can withstand the heat. But today is Easter Sunday. And so today we're going to be celebrating the resurrection, and I want to talk about the ways that death can bring about new life. Because although seeds and cake batter don't actually die when they're put into the ground or into the oven, they do undergo some kind of like death-like experience. It's dark, it's uncertain, but that time period has to happen in order for new things to come. And I think many of us maybe feel like we're starting to come out of that dark, difficult time, and we're wondering, what's going to happen now? And so I want us to think about the ways that Jesus might be using that time to bring about new life. So today we're gonna look at three ways or three kind of examples, little pictures or snapshots of how we see death leading to new life in Jesus. We're going to look at why death has to happen in order for life to come forth. We're going to see how death changes us as we step into new life. And we're going to talk about what it looks like to practice death and new life regularly in our lives. Okay, so the first thing, the first snapshot I want to look at is the way that we see death leading to new life when someone chooses to follow Jesus, For some of you, this is maybe something that happened a long time ago. Maybe you started following Jesus as a kid, maybe it was in college, or maybe for some of you, this is something you're still considering. Maybe you're not sure if that's a choice you want to make yet. So whether this happened to you a long time ago, or whether it was yesterday, or whether you're still thinking about it, uh, we're going to talk about why it matters. Why do you have to experience death in order to see new life? And all people, when they believe in Jesus as Savior and Lord, they're united to him, you're united to Christ, in his death and in his resurrection. So Romans, 5, 6 through, or Romans 6, 5 through 7 says this, "'For if we have been united with him in a death like his, "'we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. "'For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. So verse 5 starts by saying, for if we have been united with him in death, then we will be united with him in resurrection. But only if. In order for us to experience new life in Christ, our old self has to die first. Paul says our old self is crucified. The self that's ruled by sin, the self that leads us to choose worshiping things other than God, the self that only cares about what it wants and what it needs, that needs to be done away with. So why is that? Try thinking of it like this. You can't really work two full-time jobs. Sure, maybe you could argue with me and say it's, like, it's possible, it's feasible, but it's not really a great fit, right? Working two full-time jobs would be crazy. You would not have time to eat or sleep or do the normal things in life that you need to do. And it's kind of similar when you think about this old self and the the way of following Jesus, the new self. You can't work both at the same time. Working for yourself and serving yourself is like a full-time job because if you're all about yourself and always thinking about doing what you want to do and what you need, you're always going to be constantly striving to get to that point. Whatever it is that you feel like, oh, if I just had that thing, then I'd be good, that's always going to be there. Whether it's comfort and you're just constantly trying to figure out ways to be comfortable, whether it's success and you're constantly trying to work your way up the ladder, whatever it is, if it's control, you're constantly trying to grasp for that, it's going to be a never-ending thing. It'll take up your time and your energy, and it'll be the thing you think about the most and the thing that drives you completely. But if you follow Jesus, you can realize that he already has everything that you could need or want. If you desire approval, he's already given you approval for everything through Christ. If you desire comfort, God is a God of all comfort. He will be there with you through any situation that you're in. If you desire control, He gives you a way to surrender that because he is in control of everything and we can trust him. So if love for him is the thing that drives you, your life is going to look drastically different than if you're working for yourself. You will be led by Jesus' love to love and serve other people, to care about their needs over your own. You'll be led to work for things like love, justice, peace, and mercy, and not just about looking good or feeling accomplished or getting the things that you want in life. Because serving yourself is going to feel like a really heavy burden. It's going to feel like a workload that you cannot bear, because you can't. It will never be truly satisfying. But when you die to the self and serve Jesus, you actually experience freedom, freedom from guilt or shame, fear of not measuring up, it'll all be work that you actually will enjoy doing. Because Jesus's workload is light. His burden is light. He has done the work for us. But working for the self is going to be a very burdensome job. And either way, both is a full-time job. You can't do both at the same time. That's why we have to die to ourselves and to our sin before we can experience that new life and freedom in Jesus. And thankfully, when we choose to follow Jesus, he takes care of our sin, right? That's what we just celebrated a couple days ago on Good Friday. We celebrated that when Jesus dies, he takes on the penalty for sin. He's crucified for us. And when we follow him, that old self of ours is also crucified with him. We're united with him in that, and that can be put to death. And normally when we talk about freedom from sin, we talk a lot about the cross. And I think that's a good thing, because that's where we see that, uh, as I said, that penalty for sin being taken care of. But in order for that to happen, as Joel said this morning, there also needs to be a resurrection, a new life. 1 Corinthians 15, 17, Paul says, if Christ has not been raised, then you are still in your sins. You're still working for yourself. You're still in that full time job of the old self. But death and resurrection go together. And because Jesus died and rose again, we can be united with him in that. Uh, and we can consider that, we can uh, grasp hold of that freedom that Christ has given us in that. And if you've never considered this, Uh, I encourage you to take some time to think about it. There's a lot of freedom in following Jesus. And if you're feeling tired or if you're feeling overwhelmed by constantly trying to reach those things for yourself, uh, I encourage you to take some time to pray about it. You don't even have to listen to the rest of the sermon if you don't want to. I'd encourage you to to really talk to Jesus and and think about experiencing that. Okay, and the second picture we want to look at is that choosing to follow Jesus gives us hope for the future too. So, because of Christ, we have certainty that after we die, we will be resurrected. And I know that this idea sounds a little crazy, uh, especially if you're not already a Christ follower. And there are a lot of questions surrounding what the resurrection will look like. I was recently talking to someone um, who said that their kid was asking them, Are my toys going to be in heaven? And this is a question I think we can all kind of relate to on some level. Uh, I know as adults, we often ask questions like, do dogs go to heaven? Or will there be golf in heaven? Or whatever it is that we love here on earth, we wonder, what is that gonna look like? What is the resurrection gonna look like? And we are not the only ones who have questions about this. Uh, The church in Corinth that Paul writes to in one of his letters uh, also had similar questions about the resurrection. And so Paul responds in 1 Corinthians 15, 35 through 38. He says, But some will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish! What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives it its own body." So the Corinthians are asking about what the resurrection, resurrected body will be like. And Paul says, I think you're getting caught up on the wrong question here, okay? I don't think you're fully understanding this. We weren't just going to be reanimated like zombies. Like, it's not like our bodies are just going to come straight back to life. Something has to change in order for new life to come. Death brings about this change in us, and new life will look different. So he uses the example of a seed kind of going back to the thoughts about gardening. And he says, when you sow a seed, so say you sow a cucumber seed, you don't expect a bigger cucumber seed to come out of the ground, right? You don't don't expect the same thing that you put in the ground to be what comes out of it. And that's the same with us. We're not going to look the same. I I mean, physically, I don't know what this looks like, and I don't know that we're supposed to have any idea of what that looks like. But these... Experiences, these death experiences, are meant to bring about something new in us. It's meant to change us. So NT Wright uses an example uh, to explain this that I thought was helpful. He says, Imagine that some new inventor has developed a new car, and he says, I want you to come see it. Come check out this new car I've invented. It's so cool. So you get there and you're looking at the car and you're like, this looks exactly like a normal car. This doesn't look anything different at all. And the inventor explains that it's not actually the car that's new, but it's the fuel. He's invented some kind of fuel that's clean and safe and there's a limitless supply and it can run forever. Sounds amazing, right, first of all? Uh, But that's his analogy for what new life looks like when we first become believers, what I was just talking about in that first snapshot. On the outside we look the same, but inside we've been changed. The spirit is now what gives us life and what gives us freedom. Okay, so hang on to that in your head. And now he's saying, if, if we're going to talk about the resurrected body, what Paul's talking about here when he says, what, you know, what's resurrection going to look like physically? It would be as if, not only does the car run on this new type of fuel, this, you know, in the analogy, the spirit, but it's actually made out of it, too. Stretches the analogy a little too far to comprehend, uh, but that's kind of what it would be like, right? We are going to be so changed, we are going to be so full of the Spirit of God that that's going to be what animates us. So death, again, I don't think we're supposed to fully understand this, I don't think we ever will, but it does give us a picture of the fact that death changes us and brings about new life. We will not look the same if we are following the pattern of dying to ourself and experiencing new life in Jesus. And someday when Jesus comes back to make everything new, this will be true not only of us and of our physical bodies, but of all creation. Everything will be made new. It will be restored to the way of God's original intent. And that's our future hope. The hope of a bodily resurrection is something that we can cling to when we feel fear of death or when we deal with just the brokenness of this world, right? As someone who deals with chronic pain, this is something I cling to daily. And maybe this past year you've experienced something like that, whether it's been death of a loved one, whether it's been miscarriage or infertility, whatever it is that you've experienced that has highlighted to you the brokenness of this world, of our bodies and of the whole world in general, I hope that this hope of a future resurrection is something that brings life to you. And I'm not saying that death doesn't warrant grief, right? I'm not advocating for toxic positivity or just saying, it's gonna be great, the future's gonna be great, so don't worry about the present. I understand that it's still difficult. And I think as a church, we've done a lot of grieving and lamenting in the past year. And I think that's been really healthy for us but I don't want us to forget the idea that God can bring about new life in us as well. So death leads to new life. It's a pattern that we see in our past when we choose to follow Jesus, and it's a pattern that we hope for in the future when Jesus comes back. But what I really wanna focus today is on what that looks like in the present. Here and now, what does it look like for me to experience dying to myself and living for Jesus, having new life? And it's a little bit confusing because we live in this strange time where we know that the past is true, we know that Jesus has died and been raised again, we put our hope in that, we trust in that, and we know that he's coming back in the future, but we live in this weird in-between. Some people call this the already, but not yet, if you've ever heard that expression. Uh, And it just highlights this weird tension that we live in. Our old self, with all of its sin, has already been crucified, but we don't yet experience the fullness of new life in ourselves and in our world. We're still plagued by sin and death, uh, but we know we have hope with certainty that one day that will change. So what do we do with that? How do we live this out in the present? Because as people who have been made new and will be made new, we're called to live that, that pattern out on a regular basis. We're called to practice dying to ourselves and to sin every day and to live like we truly believe that there will be hope one day for things to be different. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says that, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Christ died and rose again so that we could be set free from sin, our shame, our guilt, our fear, and instead of living to please ourselves, that we could live to follow Jesus. And you'll notice from that verse, it says Christ's death and resurrection together should be motivation for us to practice this, to see new life come forth, because death leads to new life, and new life comes from Jesus. The interesting thing is you could practice dying to yourself over and over again, but if you're not turning to Jesus, if you're not taking that... um, step to focus on who he is and how he brings about new life, you might not be seeing that much uh, new life because you're just so focused on the death and the dying to self. They have to go together. Death and resurrection come together. One of the big differences, I think, that happens between when you first make that choice, maybe when you first choose to follow Jesus, and the everyday and the present, is that it doesn't feel as dramatic. Right? It doesn't feel like there's as much of a change. It may not feel as productive, if some of you like to feel productive. It might not feel like that. And yet it's still what we're called to faithfully do. Has anyone ever taken one of those painting classes where someone like, guides you through? Um, this, these were really popular a few years back, back when we did large events. Um, hopefully, hopefully soon. Uh, So I did one a while back, and I am not good at drawing or painting. Uh, Joel's family, his dad is an art teacher, and all of them, or most of them, are really good at drawing. So when I have to play telephone Pictionary with them, or what's it called? I don't know, the game where you have to, like, draw pictures and then pass it to the next person. I'm like, why am I playing this with them? I'm terrible, and all of theirs are, like, masterpieces. So... When I got invited to this thing and, I, and they showed me, like, this is what we're going to paint, I was like, there is no way I can do that. I've never been good at this. Um, I don't know how, how mine will ever look anything like that. And yet, step by step, the teacher led us through it, and I was able to create this. It's not a masterpiece, but it's much better than what I ever thought I would be able to do. So how did, it, how did that happen? How were we able to do that? It's because the teacher walked us through, step by step, how to do it. And we took one small step at a time, one small swirl at a time, and I didn't have to worry about how the whole thing was going to fit together, but I just kept following her instructions, and I managed to make it through. And I think in a lot of ways, this is how the Christian life is. Our first decision to follow Jesus might be the big step where we kind of get the outline of what the picture is going to look like. You get to see the final picture and say, okay, that's what I'm looking for. This is what I'm working towards. And then each small step in the rest of it, all of the details, are a slow process. It involves listening to the Holy Spirit, allowing him to show us the ways in which we are worshiping things other than God and how we can turn and experience new life. It's saying over and over, I choose you, Jesus. I choose you over myself, over my own desires, even when it's uncomfortable, even when I feel awkward doing it, I'm gonna take this small step, and then I'm gonna take another small step, and then I'm gonna take another small step. Eugene Peterson, uh, who writes books and is kind of a scholar in Christianity, calls this long obedience in the same direction. It's a long process. It involves small steps, but it keeps moving us in the same direction. And at first, it might not feel like anything is really happening. You might not feel like you're being renewed or being made more into the image of God. But over time, those small steps will start to show a new picture, a picture of God working in you to help you become more like Christ. And over the past year, I think we've been maybe forced at times to practice dying to ourselves, right? We've worn masks and stayed home when we would have rather gone out and seen friends and seen family. We've chosen to die to our desire to control things because we had no other choice when our plans changed. We died to our comfort and our convenience of being able to do things the way we're used to or the way that is easiest for us. And so many more other examples. And hopefully, those small deaths, those small things that we've chosen to say, I'm gonna put down my own desires, have led to us turning and focusing on Jesus instead. And while it may not feel, as you look back at the last year, like God has done much in your life, I want you to encourage you to look again. I encourage you to sit with God, to maybe ask him what he's doing in your life through this past year, Ask him what small steps he wants you to take, how he wants you to to know him and to love him better, and I think hopefully, as time goes on, as we start to move into um, this new season, that God will give you glimpses of the ways that He's working in your life. I think we're we're reaching a tipping point a little bit, right? We can start to see the end of the the light at the end of the tunnel, and I hope that this is a time where we can really evaluate and ask God how he is bringing out uh, new life out of the death of this past year. And I thought I could give you some examples, but you listened to me talk enough, so I thought it might actually be better for you to hear uh, from some other people at Resurrection City how they feel like God has been working in their life in the past year, and how he's used the difficulties and the darkness of the past year to really bring about new life, or maybe just the seeds and the start of new life. So I'm gonna, we're gonna play a video actually, and there's gonna be three people from Resurrection City who are gonna share a little bit about their experience.
1: Hey, Res City, this is Laura Ripley, and I'd like to share with you a little bit about what God's been doing in my life this past year. So as I've reflected back on the year 2020, the word that stands out most is transition. This past year has felt like a transition into new ways of living for me in a few key areas of my life. So obviously life during a pandemic has presented many challenges um, and disruptions, but God has uniquely used the new amounts of time and overall slower pace of life provided during quarantine and restrictions to create space for me to grow. This, this space would help usher me into transitions in three specific areas of my life. They all kind of happened together, but each one helped the other ones come to be. So the first transition was in taking time to think more critically about my engagement with digital media and consumption. I began to see how fracturing this was to my days and how impossible it was to experience true presence and attention. I didn't like living with so much information and distraction, but I just never really stepped back to think about it and assess it. So with the help of a few resources, I began completely restructuring my life, creating more space for quiet, presence, nature, and new hobbies. So the next transition for me was in learning new spiritual practices that have allowed me to connect with God in new and meaningful ways. I've always tended towards more active, studious spiritual disciplines, and this was the first time that I realized I could actually broaden my definition of what it means to connect with God. So tapping into some of the more ancient practices of silence, Sabbath, and self-examination have been really life-giving ways for me to experience God's presence and significantly have helped me listen to him more and also to what is going on inside myself. So the final transition was that these times of solitude and listening combined with less distraction in my life helped me see when God began surfacing several areas in my life that have needed attention. I spent many evenings and other times that I have normally would have filled with entertainment or commitments or just general busyness, instead doing reflection and processing. And I started seeing a therapist to help unpack areas of anxiety and growth in my life that I've avoided or been afraid to address for much of my adult life. It's challenging in this busy season of life with young children to actually create the space to step back and assess how I'm living. So I'm grateful that God used the interruption of a pandemic to also interrupt my default ways of living. And I feel like I'm only just taking in the first baby steps in each of these areas, but I'm hopeful about the journey to enter a new season of my adult life marked more by presence, learning to live with greater freedom and embodiment of myself and a growing sense of clarity and intentionality for how I want to live.
2: Hey, Resurrection. We are Brandon and Jojo. We've been attending uh, Res City for about a year, mainly virtually, uh, because of COVID, Uh, but really been enjoying our time with uh, Joel and Julie uh, leading us each week.
3: Yeah, we've uh, had our attendance kind of very much coincide with COVID. Um, Over the last year, there's been all kinds of things that have kind of come to the surface and Uh, For myself, I know I've just had a lot of fears that I feel like I faced between um, I mean globally of course, but just personally I uh, Was scared to be pregnant and to give birth let alone give birth to twins (laughs) gave birth to Owen and Bjorn in August and um, Just going into it. I was definitely had a lot of fears associated with that and I really had to um, deal with that and I feel like I The Lord just really kind of eased me in that, and actually a lot of the alone time was very helpful throughout it. Um, And afterwards, I actually was hospitalized because of uh, kidney failure, and uh, I went through like a day there where I was like, I could die, (laughs) so that uh, was just very scary. And um, my hormones and feelings were just very like heightened during that time. Um, But it was just very much a time to be reminded that, um, you know, I'm just so taken care of. And I feel like I was so in the midst of that, was just, that became so real, uh, especially just how taken care of we were by our community um, and the way that people helped out uh, in a variety of ways. And that was totally just the Lord showing me how much He cares and how faithful He is. and that story has just like continued throughout the rest of the year, uh, just between trusting the Lord and our uh, selling of our home, and um, that actually working out fairly well for us. And we're still in the process of uh, waiting on what what the next thing is. But I know that the Lord's taking care of us. So, hey
2: everybody, I took a new job in June of last year, and it's been a lot of work. I've been putting in uh, late nights and working most weekends and it's meant that this job has become this kind of all-consuming, suffocating force in my life right now that's really crowding out a lot of other things and I've been trying to, you know, pray two to three minutes each morning, uh, go to church or watch church on Sundays and go to community group when I can. And it's not a lot, but it has helped ground me and realize some truths. Um, The first is that I'm really blessed just to have a job to begin with because there are others that um, aren't in that position. And also that I've got people that I can talk about it to, friends and family. Um, The second is that I've seen that God has given me my daily bread, so to speak, you know, just enough to get through each day. And I've also kind of learned that throughout this experience that my identity is not my job. And we hear this platitude a lot, but for me, maybe, just maybe, it's starting to sink in a little bit. And when I look back on this, you know, I'm in ways that I can't tell, maybe it's pushing me to change, to be, you know, change in more godly ways, I should say, versus worldly ways. Um, And I can't say that I've realized what that is yet. I have can be fully honest with you guys. I, I haven't felt exceptionally close to God in this past year. But when I look back on it all, um, it's clear that he has been close to me.
0: Hey. So I hope hearing from these people has been encouraging to you. I know it was incredibly encouraging to me. And as you can hear from their stories, God works through difficult and confusing times where things don't go the way we plan, where we have to die to ourselves, our own desires, our own routines, our own comforts. And he can bring newness out of that. Even if you can only see glimpses of it now, right? You heard, in everyone there kind of said, here are these things I'm starting to see. Maybe God's working in my life in this way. You know, maybe this year, this past year, is going to be one of those years that I look back on and can say, like, God was so faithful. I didn't see it at the time. But looking back, I can see the ways he was working in me. Or I can cling to the ways that he was faithful and was there for me when I was in a dark time so that when I'm back in those places again in the future because suffering will happen, we live in a broken world, that we can cling to those times from this past year and say God was faithful then and I know he's going to be faithful now. So I want to encourage you and I kind of want to challenge all of you to think about that same question that I asked uh, our friends in the video. I want you to ask yourself and to ask God How is God working through this past difficult year? How has he brought new life out of death? And I encourage you to keep going with this, whatever it is that God brings up for you, uh, because as things continue to change, as life continues to um, look different after we kind of move through this pandemic, it's going to be really, really tempting to just go back to the way that things were right? If you were someone who before this loved to pack your schedule so full that you had no time to rest and were not really spending any time with God because you didn't have the time, it's going to be so tempting to do that, right? Who's already feeling that now that we can get outside and see people? I know I am, right? It's going to be hard not to just go straight back to the way that things were. Or if you're someone who loves to feel productive, and this past year has been tough because there's been things you can't do or can't get to because of different restrictions, it's going to be tempting to like dive headfirst into that to-do list and try to do it all right in in the next time that we have. Whatever it is that you feel like, yeah, this thing that I really wanted or this thing that I really desired or, you know, always kind of went to before the pandemic, it's going to be like right there when you get back. And if you don't actively think about how God has changed you, right? Because we talked about how death changes us to bring us into new life. It's gonna be really tempting to go straight back to it. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't like be excited and celebrate about things being different, right? I am so excited to be able to see people in person more often and to do things that we couldn't really do in the past year. As a church, we want to have like, a huge celebration once we can safely do that, uh, because we just are excited to be able to come back to being in community. So I'm not saying we shouldn't celebrate. I'm not saying you shouldn't you know, have some fun and do the things you want to do. But I do want you to check your heart and to look at the ways that God is working in your life and to not abandon those things. Our old self has been crucified with Christ and he calls us to live differently, to live lives that follow him at all costs, that love others generously and give and sacrifice of ourselves. And we've practiced that this year and let's keep continuing to practice that. So while it's going to be tempting to go back to exactly how the way things were, I encourage you to ask God how he wants you to continue in the ways he's been leading you in this past year. Maybe you need to take some time away. Maybe you need to take like a half day or a weekend day and just go spend time with God, find a place outside or wherever you need to be, journal, pray, uh, really take some time to process the last year and to see where God might be leading you, where he might be bringing about new life. Because I think the problem with for many of us um, who have been following Jesus for a while, so if you fall in that camp, Uh, and I'll include myself in this, it's that we have sort of become educated beyond our obedience. I heard another pastor use that phrase, I can't claim credit for it, but it's been stuck in my head ever since I heard it. Uh, The idea that we've been educated beyond our obedience. Because if you've been a Christian or if you've been in a church for a while, it's easy to start to think you know it all. Right, well, I've heard that before. Um, Maybe you've read the whole Bible. Maybe you've listened to so many podcasts that you think that, you know, well, I just know all these things. I've kind of got it figured out. Maybe you've started to think that all following God is is just learning new information about him. It's just growing in information. That's all, that's what I need to do. That's what I need to focus on. And yes, God calls us to know him. He calls us to grow in the knowledge of him, But that word, the know, that's used in scripture is not just knowing something intellectually, it's knowing something experientially. It's not just saying, yes, I know this with my head, but it's I know this with my whole being and I live it out in my life and it's something that is so true and so vital to who I am that people can tell a difference. And God wants us to grow in that experience of him as well. He wants us to listen to his spirit, to truly let that move us in our actions and in how we live our lives. He wants us to experience the new life that can come through dying to the self. And this not only takes time and faithfulness, because we aren't going to see immediate results, but it also takes discipline. It takes coming back to this over and over and over, the same way that in that painting you have to make every small line and every small brush stroke. It's listening to the Holy Spirit, letting God work in us in that. And if you feel like that's something I want in life, but I don't really know how to structure my life in a way that I can do that regularly, or I can um, have that time with God, let me give you a quick plug for something we're doing next week. Um, We're going to work on something called a rule of life. So after church, if you want to join us, um, a rule of life is basically just like the patterns and the habits that you put in place in your life to make time to be intentional with God and to be intentional in the way that we are living. I know some people are like, "Ooh, I don't like the word rule. Don't say that, that's too like, I have to follow it, or if I don't, something bad is gonna happen, or God's gonna hate me. And I promise you, that's not what it is. There's so much grace in all of this. Uh, But it's just a way for us to build habits and rhythms in our lives. So this is something that you're interested, love to have you join us next week after church, it'll only be about an hour. But either way, I I really wanna encourage you to find ways to build this into your life. Because the pattern that we see in scripture is that death leads to new life but we have to be willing to practice dying to ourselves and turning to Jesus. And I truly, truly believe, this is something I feel so strongly, that God wants to bring new life out of the past year. Whatever this last year has looked like for you, I know that there are things that God is starting to do in your heart, and I want you to take the time to really think about what that could be and how he could be calling you to move forward. So as we wrap up uh, and move into a time of worship, That's the kind of the question I want you to really think about. How have you died to yourself and experienced new life in Jesus this year? And how can you continue that practice moving forward? So we aren't going to do a reflection song like we have been doing. We're going to do some more worship through song. But I'm going to leave this up here for a little bit just because I want you to think about it. And I want you, as we worship together, to really think about it. And while we worship, we are also going to be taking communion. And... Joel and I actually went back and forth a little bit on like, should we take communion on Good Friday or should we take it on Sunday? And we ultimately chose to do it on Sunday because as we've been talking about, Jesus' death and resurrection, they go together. They are things that apart mean very little, but together mean everything for us. And so as we worship, um, we're going to take communion together. You should have gotten a little communion cup when you came in. If you didn't get one, please raise your hand and someone will make sure that you uh, can get that. And if you're watching at home with us, I encourage you to take communion as well um, if you've got crackers or juice or whatever you've got around. Um, And we're going to take that time to remember Jesus' sacrificial death, and then we're going to worship together and remember his resurrection, his victorious uh, defeat of sin and death. So as we kind of move into that time of worship, I'm going to pray for us and then our worship team is going to come up. Father, we thank you uh, for the work that you are doing in our lives. We thank you for the work that you have already done through the cross and the resurrection. You have already paid it all, and you've already defeated sin and death. So we can have hope uh, for the future, hope for a, a new world, for new resurrected bodies, for new life that is fully with you, fully experienced with you. But we also have hope for the present We have hope that you are bringing new life out of this past year, out of the darkness, out of the fear, out of the grief, that you are working. And though we may not see it yet, we ask that you would give us glimpses of your work in us and that you would give us the strength and the courage to continue following your Holy Spirit step by step as we continue to turn from our old ways and to follow you. In your name we pray, amen.